everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast with me, your host, Christina Ang. If you missed last week's very special episode, we talked all about falling in and out of love. It was definitely super juicy. I decided to really open up and tell you guys about my past experiences with love and boys and It was definitely something new and refreshing to this podcast, but I did think that I should share my insight on dating and relationships as a student who does go to art school and like how different it can be. But anyway, today we are back on track with the usual podcast content. As you guys can tell by the title, we're going to be talking all about resumes. I always get DMs and messages about how I get the internships that I've had in the past and how I managed to get, you know, two internships at the same time during the summers. And my biggest response to those messages is always my resume. A resume is really just one of the most important aspects of a job or, you know, internship hunting experience. And just like how a passport or birth certificate embodies you and all your important information, I feel like your resume embodies who you are, what kind of person you you are, and most importantly, your job qualifications. I think most people are under the impression that a resume just has a full-on list of all your past jobs and experiences, But it can honestly be so much more than just that. So as you gathered from all that I just said, I'm going to be telling you guys my biggest tips and advice on how to make your resume stand out and just really top quality. But before we begin, here comes the quick disclaimer that I think is so important to mention before we go on in today's episode. Obviously, I am not a certified expert on resume building and all of the tips that I'll be giving you in this episode will be based on just what has worked for me in job hunting and internship hunting. So with that being said, it might work for you and it might not, but just take what you want from the tips that I'm going to offer. One thing I will say is that I have taken um, a resume building seminar before and I've had classes on perfecting my resume as well. So I guess in some way, maybe I am qualified to give you the tips that I'm giving, but you know, you won't know until it works for you or doesn't work for you. So whenever it comes to making a resume, there's always two kinds of people I feel like. On the one hand, there are those people who are all about the design and aesthetics, and instead of focusing on the content that is on their resume, they're mainly focused on how aesthetically pleasing their resume looks. And then on the other hand, you have people who don't pay attention to how their resume looks aesthetically, and they mostly focus on what is written on their resume and making sure that all the content that they have written is pretty much perfect. Of course, I'm sure that there are people that fall in the in-between, but I'm just giving you the two extreme conditions that I've come across. And now you're probably wondering, you know, and dying with curiosity to find out which category that I fall under. And I'm sure many of you assume that I am under the category of the people who want to make their resume as aesthetically pleasing as they can. But I hate to tell you that I am actually the exact opposite. What really sucks about being on this podcast platform is that I can't actually physically show you what my current resume looks like, you know, as I'm describing it to you guys and giving you guys tips. But If you're ever interested in seeing the format of my own resume, you can literally find it anywhere on the internet because I've made it public on basically my website, my LinkedIn, and who knows where else my resume is flying around. I have no idea. But anyway, getting back to what I was saying, my resume is really bland looking. Um, It's just black and white with Times New Roman font and very simplistic formatting, like I can tell you that. You're probably wondering why me as a design student would stick to keeping it very simple and bland looking especially since I am applying for jobs and internships in an industry that fosters creativity. Well, it's because I've learned from multiple experiences and talking to different people that the majority of recruiters out there and, you know, the hiring managers who are looking at your resume, they just want to see the facts. And what I mean by that is, if you think about it, they have hundreds, if not thousands of resumes to go through all the time. And 
what they hope to see from one resume is that the person will turn out to be a great match for their company or organization or whatever. And you could play devil's advocate and say that a more aesthetically pleasing resume would make it easier on the eyes for someone who has looked through hundreds of resumes. But what's worked for me is really keeping it simple and straightforward. So that's the advice that I'm going to be giving you today, um, like towards more simplistic resume. And I'm not completely saying that you shouldn't design your own resume and make it colorful and add some flair to it. I'm just saying that it's not something you should be focusing on and you should be more focused on the information that's actually on your resume and how it represents you. The most important aspect of a resume that I want to point out, which I know most of you guys are going to think is really stupid, but keeping your resume within a limit of one page is like the number one great piece of advice that I'm going to give you today. And if you think I'm joking, I'm seriously not. There are actually so many people out there who I've seen that have resumes that are not within the one page limit and it just really confuses me. Ever since I was in middle school, I think that's when they taught us that and it's been continuously ingrained in my mind as I got older and more people just started to tell me the same thing. Like I do get it if you have a lot of experiences that you want to show off in your resume, you would want to show it off of course, but... Hiring managers are not trying to read a three-page long resume all of the time to, you know, see all of your past jobs and experiences. And if I were to include all of my past experiences on my resume, there would be that one job I took at Chipotle when I was in high school that would be shown on my professional resume, and I obviously don't want that. So guys, even if it's two pages long or even one and a half, don't let it get there. Give yourself a steady cutoff at one page and you'll definitely thrive, I can guarantee you that. Also, back when I was in high school, during the days when I was still trying hard to get really good grades, I attended a program called Ladders for Leaders, which I'm sure some of you may know if you're still in high school, of course. Anyway, so I got into the program and part of their required events was to attend this resume building like course thing, which in hindsight was actually one of the most helpful points in my life where I learned really useful resume building skills. And I remember so vividly how often they would stress keeping your resume within the one page limit. And after learning that, I spread that same message to everyone else who was willing to hear it and, you know, respect it. I think some people really underestimate how much they can fit into one page, and then they complain that it's not enough space to showcase their skills and qualifications. I mean, as long as you're not adding fluff or unnecessary information, you should have a sufficient amount of room to include everything you want your future employer to know about your past work experiences. So getting more into that, I wanted to go over the different sections that I have on my own resume just to give you guys a good idea of how, you know, my own personal resume is set up. Before I go on though, I just wanted to stress that you can format your resume however you want to and what makes the most sense for your experience and of course your industry. I'm just going to be sharing my own format for those of you who maybe aren't seeing any success from your own resumes and for those who just want to try something different and maybe see how it works. So looking at my own resume right now as I'm talking to you guys, the first thing on the very top of the page in big letters is of course my name, my phone number, and my contact email. I know some people include their addresses on their resume, but since my resume is very public and, you know, like I said, it can be found on my website and LinkedIn, um, I just rather not include my address because um, obviously people will know where I live. I think a phone number and an email is enough information for prospective people to contact you. And if you're super private and you, you want to take extra precautions, then you can just include your email and just forget about the phone number entirely. Okay, so the main formatting of how I have my resume laid out is by separating all of my resume content by subheaders that are in caps to like really make it stand out. 
And this is something that I actually did learn from the Ladders for Leader program that I was mentioning before, and I've just used it ever since and never changed the way I did it. So the subheaders that I have are education, professional experience, leadership slash activities, and finally, the last one is skills. Like I said before, your formatting, you know, might be different from mine depending on what kind of experiences you're including, but that is just the formatting that has worked for me and... Yeah. So for example, I know my leadership slash activities subheader is quite specific to me and some people may not even have anything to put under that column. So if that's the case, then you can just choose not to include that column and save more room for your like professional experiences or your skills or whatever you choose. Going into the subheaders that I've chosen to include, like I said, the first one that I have listed is education. And I think there are actually some people who don't include their education, but but obviously I'm still in school so it just makes the most sense for me to keep it on there to notify my future employers that I am still in school and you know here's what my major slash minor is and my GPA and all that. Also I'm not gonna lie it's also nice having that little added bonus of saying that I am attending the Parsons School of Design because that school just carries a lot of prestige to the name in the industry so yeah that's why I keep it on there as well not sure if it's the same for you. So just to reiterate what I include for education, I put the school's name, my most recent GPA, my major, minor, if you do have one, and finally I put my expected graduation date, or if you just graduated, then put the date that you graduated. So the next subheader that we're going to get into, which is definitely the most important one, is professional experience. And I was taught to call it this from that resume building program that I was talking about earlier, but feel free to really call it whatever you would like that um, makes the most sense to you. The professional experience section is where you really go all out and show off all of your past work slash like, you know, internship experience. Also, at the same time, you should be keeping in mind how many you're including because you want to stay within that one page limit and not to mention that there are also other subheaders to include as well after professional experience. So what I like to do as I continue to get new jobs or internships is I like to remove one from my past that I don't think is really worth displaying anymore on my resume. So obviously since my first job was at Chipotle, it's definitely made its appearance on my resume at, you know, one point in the beginning. However, as I started to get more internships that were more closely related to what I wanted to pursue in the fashion industry, I, you know, obviously took it off my list eventually and now it is no longer on my resume. And you'll find that as you get more experience and better experiences in the industry, you'll start to want to remove the not so good experiences from your resume just so that you have an overall looking um, professional resume. Getting to the technicalities of this section, just like in our education subheader, there are certain things that I wanted to point out to include. Um, obviously, the stuff is going to be different from the education section, and I just wanted to list that here. So for every experience that I include in the professional experience section, there are some key elements you want to have. The company, the position, the start and end date, and then following that information, a small bullet pointed list of your responsibilities. The company and your position is obviously a no-brainer. I'm sure everyone that is listening is including that on their resumes, but you would be surprised how many people don't include their actual start and end dates. Now, for me, I just put the month and the year to give a very rough idea of how long I've worked at the company. I don't really find it necessary to put the exact date, like including the, the day when I started because, I mean, I don't think it matters as much. Also, not to mention the fact that I'm sure most of us don't even remember the exact day that we started a job or internship, so 
I think the month and year gives enough information to your future employer, enough to let them know how long you've worked at a certain place. And I think the most important part that I do want to talk about is including the small bullet pointed list of responsibilities. If you're wondering, you know, how much you should write or to what extent you should list your responsibilities, I would say that my biggest tip for this is if you have less experiences on your resume, write more. But if you have a lot of professional experience on your resume, then write less. And this is self-explanatory, right? Because the more job experience that you'll want to include on your resume, then the less space that you'll have to write the description. And obviously, if you don't have that much experience to include on your resume, which is okay, but you'll want to write a little more to make your resume look a lot more busy than it actually is. So like I said, watch that one page limit, but at the same time, nothing is worse than handing in a resume that's completely empty. And I get it, everyone has to start somewhere, but it's better to include as many things as you can conjure up rather than just having an empty resume. So for my bullet pointed descriptions, I write them in third person perspective and in past tense. And I'm so bad at trying to explain how I come up with my responsibility descriptions, but basically the goal is trying to sum up some of your most important job responsibilities in as little words as possible. And I'm going to read to you guys some of the descriptions that I included in my resume, just so that you guys have an idea on how to write them. Um, So on my resume, the most recent professional experience I've listed is, of course, my current internship with CFDA right now. And my description reads, collaborated with the CFDA team to create, organize, and promote educational scholarships for emerging designers and students. And then the next bullet point says, contributed to the educational resources and participated in other tasks related to CFDA's website and social media channels, including video editing for brand spotlighting and awareness. So I know that probably sounds like a lot, but I just wanted to make sure I highlighted this particular internship because it's one of the more important job opportunities that I have showcased on my resume. Um, I learned to write out my descriptions like this in that resume building program, and I've just been using those skills ever since. I would advise you guys to look into higher vocabulary words to describe the kinds of responsibilities you go about doing. So the verbs that I use throughout my resume are, you know, usually mildly high vocab because I want to make it sound more professional. And of course, don't include words that you do not understand in your resume because if you don't understand it, I doubt anyone else will understand it. But, you know, work on using more intricate words that'll add more flair to your descriptions. All of those things that I included in that first experience, including the company position, start and end date, and the description, is what you should be doing for every single job experience that follows that one. On my own personal resume, I've been able to fit eight experiences on there, but yours might be different depending on how you format it and all that jazz. Okay, so next I wanted to move on to our next section, which is leadership slash activities. And This is the section that I was mentioning before where I'm giving you guys a little bit of leniency because you can choose to, you know, entirely take this subsection out or you can even change the name of the subsection. Um, I like to include this in my own resume because I think leadership experiences are very important in showing your future employer how you can lead. Um, I only have one experience in this section, but it's something that's very important to me, even though it wasn't even that recent and it was a couple years ago. So I put down my experience as a student of the year candidate with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. The reason this opportunity was such an important one to include for me was because during that time that I was in that program, I was able to raise a total of $17,000 with my twin sister to fund blood cancer research. And it was just such an opportune time 
for that and of course I wanted to include it on my resume. I think even if you don't have any jobs or internships to include on your resume, a great place to start is to include those philanthropic and volunteer-based experiences. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that particular section, but again, it's not something that I would say is required for resume by any means. It's just nice to include for your future employer to learn a little bit more about your interests and what you do outside of a work environment. The last part of the resume, which is equally as important as anything else on your resume, is the skills section. Guys, this is really the section where you can have the most fun and liberty to write whatever you want. Everyone's skill set is going to be different, so mine will not look like anyone else's and nobody else's will look like mine. My biggest tip for this section, however, is to include skills that are related to your industry. This makes sense, of course, because if you're trying to get a job in the fashion industry, maybe you want to enlist skills like being able to do Adobe Creative Suite, pattern making, sketching, or sewing, and, you know, stuff like that. I'll definitely be telling you guys what I have in my skills section, that way you can get a good idea of what I include. Um, I have my section broken up in terms of two different categories, so I have computer skills and creative skills, and... Don't ask me why I came up with those two. I just kind of thought it would better organize my skill set. So under computer skills, I have listed advanced knowledge of use in Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator, Lightroom, Autodesk Sketchbook, Express, Microsoft Excel, Word, and PowerPoint. And then I also said that I can type 94 words per minute, which is a true thing. Um, And under my creative skills, I have experienced in fashion illustration, draping, sewing, flats, and specs. So yeah, I'm sure you can tell what industry I'm in just by reading the skills that I have listed on my resume, and that is pretty much the goal that you're trying to get at when you write your skills. I also just wanted to mention to definitely not include something that you don't know how to do. So let's say you don't know, I wrote, you know, advanced knowledge of using Adobe Photoshop, but if you do not have advanced knowledge in Adobe Photoshop, don't write that because then your employer is going to expect that of you. But yeah, I think that's just very important to mention because sometimes people do like to fib stuff on their resumes and that just doesn't really give a good picture of the kind of person you are. And, you know, eventually people will find out when you do start to work in the workforce and they see that you actually don't know how to do those things. So that is about everything that is on my resume. And as I said in the very beginning of this episode, just have fun with your resume and, you know, try not to treat it like a chore. Really take pride in making your resume a good representation of the kind of person you are and not the kind of worker you are. Anyway, a couple of things before I wrap up this episode that I wanted to mention. One of them being a reminder to always save the different copies of your resume that you edit. And what I mean by this is if you go in and update your resume every two to three months or whenever you do it, save those different copies that you have. And the reason I'm offering this piece of advice to you guys is because I've gone in before and deleted something from my old resume that I later wanted to put back and guess what? It was gone and I completely forgot what I wrote and all the details that I included so I had to, you know, write it again. So yeah, just make sure that you guys save all your resume copies and take it from me, having a really impressive and professional resume will save you so much time when it comes to job applications and Not to mention, most of the time, you won't even have to include a cover letter if your resume is that impressive. I know I always say this in all of my career advice episodes, but I've never had to submit any cover letters at all, except that one time I did to Marc Jacobs. Um, I'm so against writing cover letters, and to be quite frank, we're not really required to have a cover letter in most instances anyway. 
so yeah that's my stance on that a lot of the times i'm honestly applying to jobs that ask for cover letters but i don't actually send it to them and it seems to be okay because i'll move on getting an interview anyway of course the choice is obviously up to you guys whether or not you want to write one i'm not going to tell you what to do or what not to do but i just wanted to let you guys know that i never really do submit them and it still seems to work out so and if you made it this far into the podcast, thank you truly for sticking around um, and listening to what I had to say. And I have some really exciting things coming along, which you guys can always follow along on my Instagram at Christina Michelle Ang. And if you're not already following me on there, I would highly recommend it because I post a lot about my internship experiences and you guys can always DM me questions and stuff like that. So I'll have both my personal and podcast Instagram linked in the show notes of this episode. Um, as always, I want to thank you guys for tuning into this podcast and to hit that follow button if you're liking what you're hearing. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, give me a DM on Instagram because I get all my ideas from you guys. Anyway, see you on the next episode of the Life of a Fashion Student podcast.